definitely can outplay your husband. I just want to say that. I'm going to go public. Marcus, I love you, but I love her more uh, in the name of Jesus. So we are excited that y'all are here. I'm, I tell you what, let's just take a moment. I just want to say something that was pretty impressive. And I know I give Jesus all the glory, so do you, but I think it's pretty powerful. How about Robert and Brandon quoting Colossians 1, 3 through 14? How about that, huh? That's pretty impressive. How about give God just a praise on that? Robert, thank y'all. Brandon, thank you. Deb, thank you. I mean, we're spending time in Colossians, and we're just going to go through the book. We're just going to go through the book. I challenge you to spend time trying to memorize. I know some of you go, I can't memorize anything. I don't even know my own phone number, all that other stuff. Like, I, I got you. But I want to challenge you. Spend some time going over and over. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to live in Colossians because we're convinced that Jesus is about hope. You see, every year, for those that have just come back, by the way, we just want to wit, uh, take a moment and say Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you all so much. I hope you had a great break. Uh, we missed you. Uh, you probably didn't miss us that much, but we love you and miss you anyway. And what gets us excited, it's a new year. And anytime there's a new year, it's always something for, that can happen that can be changed from what has happened to what can happen. And so the Lord laid on my heart for the last seven years we've been doing this theme um, this word of the year, and for every year it's just been true, just been spot on. Uh, obviously, you know, when the Lord speaks, he's spot on. Uh, I can interpret it wrong, but he, he's spot on. And so this word for this year is hope. Now, I know that doesn't sound fancy and hip and cool, but, but hope is so important. You know, hope is what changes everything. And so we're spending this time doing this whole word of the year, this whole hope, and that's why the songs you heard that God laid on Robbie's heart, I mean, they were all centered around hope. And so we're believing that God's going to do something. Now, and, and let me explain something to you. And I, I spoke about this last Sunday for a little bit, and then last Sunday night I went into more detail. But let me just explain to you the difference between faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 talks about it. It says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what, saints? Love. So what is faith, hope, and love? So let me just, I didn't know all this, but I just want to, I just can give you this stuff as, as the Holy Spirit's teaching me as I learn and read. Hope is like this. So you, you have... You have Brittany and you have Marcus. And, and, and they met, they met because Marcus was working at Publix. Did y'all know that? He was working at Publix. And Brittany comes through the line. Well, Marcus runs over and, like, and t tells the bagger and everything, I got this, I got this. You know why he says he got this? Because he wanted her number. So she didn't give him the time of day. The first time that she would just, she walked past, you know, he's there like a little puppy dog. And she just like blows past him, right? And so he's like, am I ever going to see her again? Like, this is the love of my life. I mean, you know, I'm talking about when he saw her, there was this white, bright light in the heavens. You know, the heavens opened and there was the pearly gates and they opened and he heard the father's voice saying, she's the one. And, you know, and he's there and she walks off and he's like, maybe I miss God, you know. And, and so what happens, she comes back in the store again. Well, the smooth operator he is, he comes running over there and he tries to, he tries to talk to her. And the first question she asked him, and by the way, Brittany, I just want to tell you, i got to give you some props on this. Ladies, if you want to run a man off that you don't really want to go out with, let me just give you a little bit, all right? Let me just help you out, ladies. I mean, if he's just, you look at him and he's going, oh, yeah, and you're going, oh, me? Let me just tell you. Let me just give you a little bit of help. This is what she said to him. He's like, can I get your number? Right, he's all smooth. Look at him smooth. Still dressing smooth. And she said, do you tithe? 
Now, ladies, let's just talk about that for a moment. I, I just, I got, I got a couple words for that. Booyah, 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 right? Like in your face. Praise the Lord that he was right with God. So he's like, yeah, I, you know, I, yeah. And then all of a sudden things work out. So anyway, so that, that's the idea behind it. I mean, Brittany, that's just a great way to filter people out. You know, that's a nice way of saying you ugly, but I don't want to tell you you ugly. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, this is a great word. So ladies, use that all the time. Uh, men, you're in trouble. All right, so what happened was, here's Brittany and, and, and there's Marcus. And so here's the idea. Marcus sees her and he says, you know, I really, I really want to go out with her. So he had hope. Are y'all tracking me? Say the word hope. Okay, because I want to make sure you're awake this morning. So he had hope. So he sees this idea. The idea is, the idea is, wow, she's the one. And so what happened was, like every other man, you get a little scared. You get a little fearful. You get a little questionable. What if she turns me down? What if it turns bad? What if I embarrass myself? But what happens, the idea is so strong that it creates emotions inside him. He's like, I'm willing to take a risk because I'd rather take a risk and get hurt than take no risk at all. Can I get a witness, Mark? He's like, hey. So he goes over and talks to her. Now, hope was the idea that she's going to go out with him. Faith is the action to the idea. Can I get a witness on that, saints? See, faith is not the idea. Faith is the action of the idea. Really, in the Bible, when it talks about faith, the word faith means faithful. It means doing what God has asked you to do. And so what happens on that is faith is the action, hope is the idea. When you have hope and then you act on your hope, which is called faith, then you fall in love. Then you fall in love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then Jesus explains the second one. Love your neighbors, I have loved you. You can't get love until you have hope and faith. Can't put the cart before the horse. You've got to have hope and you've got to have faith. That's what hope is. Hope is the idea. Faith is the action. So with that being said, I, I want to say what drives this idea of hope? What drives the idea of hope? And here's what the Lord just absolutely, as I was studying, just laid on my heart as I was looking in Colossians. I was actually reading some background material on Colossians and spending time with that. And the Lord just burned it in me and said this. Here's the main idea. By the way, it's on Facebook at Summit Church. It's on summitcharleston.com. That's the church's website. Check it out. You can go through the notes right now. Here it is. Here's the main idea. What drives hope is a high view of Christ. What drives hope is a high view of Christ. What drives hope is a high view of Christ. Let me give you a little bit of background on Colossae which is the, the little city there uh, the Colossians was written. Paul's in prison, writes to a city that he's never been to and never goes to. It's, it's up the river. It's up the river about 12 miles above Laodicea and Hierapolis. Laodicea is this wealthy, wealthy town. Colossae is nothing. When I tell you nothing, in fact, they've gone in to look at the archaeological ruins and they, can only, they can't even find the stuff. The town was obliterated. Now, Laodicea, there's all kinds of stuff. Hierapolis, there's all kinds of stuff. But Colossae was, by 67 BC, it was already deteriorating. It was already going to nothing. And yet, look what God does. He takes scripture and writes one of the best, in my opinion, one of the best epistles, one of the best letters that Paul writes on the Christology of Christ, right? Uh, on this Christological view, this high view of Jesus. One of the best ones he writes, he writes it to a place that's going nowhere. 
Now let me just break it down for you. That's what Jesus did for me. He took somebody like me who was going nowhere and changed my life. That's what Jesus can do when you have a high view of him. So what does it look like? So what does this high view look like? And I said, so what, what do you mean a high view of Jesus? What does that mean, John? Well, before we get into a little bit there in Colossians, it's like this. If we don't see Jesus high and lifted up, then we will never have a bigger view of what we can see. We will never have a bigger view of what we can see if we don't see Jesus high and lifted up. Uh, in, in fact, let me... Let me uh, give you a little bit of example of what I mean by that. In Isaiah uh, chapter 6, we see this idea of, of this high view of Christ. In other words, what I mean by this, if you don't have a high view of Jesus, if you don't think like Jesus, if I don't think like Jesus, then I'll never experience the mind of Christ, which means only my circumstances will dictate my life and not what Jesus sees that will dictate my life. I need a bigger view of Jesus, a higher view of Jesus, because 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this in the ESV, we walk by faith, not by... So we can't go on what we see. We need a high view of Jesus. A higher view of Jesus, more hope I have, because the more I see things like him. Uh, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not what? That's, it's the evidence, it's that's what faith is. It's walking out the idea of hope. I hope, God, you're going to do this. I believe it so much that I'm going to act on it. And so that's where faith plays in. That's the idea. We will always be locked into whatever happens. We will never think outside of what we cognitively understand if we do not have a big view of Jesus. And that's what God wants us to look at this year. He wants us to live in hope. So we're believing when other people stop believing. We're looking at things from Jesus' perspective, not from other, the world's perspective. That's the idea. So a little Jesus, you have a little view. You have a big Jesus, you have a big view. When we see Jesus for who he truly is, not just part of what he has done, that is the cross, then we see a plan and a purpose. If all, listen, if all Jesus is is this God-man who came and died on the cross and God raised him from the dead, if that's all you see of Jesus, then that's your whole view of Jesus. Your whole view of Jesus is salvation. So you live your life, you do what you want to do, you go get a job that you want, you marry who you want, you have as many children as you want, or you adopt as many as you want, or you don't have any that you don't want, and then you do whatever you want, and you retire where you want if the Lord allows you to live, and then you die and Jesus saves you. If your view of Jesus is just salvific, that's all the view you'll have of your Christianity. See, my Jesus is not just my Savior. My Jesus is my Lord. Oh, good, I'll go over here. Okay, so my Jesus is my Lord. In other words, there's a relationship that I have with Christ. I walk with Christ. I go where he wants to. I believe he's making all things new, Revelation 21.5. I believe that there's newness in everything, that he's creating newness in me, that he'll take any and every situation. I can't look at the situation. I just say, Jesus, what are you going to do in this situation? And the last time I saw when it was dead, you raised the dead. So Jesus is the one who changes everything. He changes our perspective. So he's our Lord. So we follow him in this relationship and we compel others to follow him in this relationship because he's more satisfying than anything else. His promises are always right. Everybody else is breaking their promises. Everybody else says they're going to be there on time. They're, they're late. They're constantly breaking promises, but not Jesus. Jesus will not do that. So we have to have a high view of Jesus. And the reason why is this. Let me just let us in. You already know this, but God doesn't need us. He chooses us. He does not need us 
He does not need for the world to spin. He doesn't need John Davis to get up here and, and preach a sermon. He doesn't need you to be saved because I preach a sermon. No, he chose me in order to, to release some of his presence into the world as he deems so through the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need me. He chooses me. It's the same for us. He has chosen us. Many are called, few are chosen. You've been chosen. Let's walk with him. But see, that, that's what happens. God's work is being done, and I just get to be a part of it. Let, let me explain what I'm saying. Turn to Isaiah 61. Oh, excuse me, Isaiah 6, I'm sorry. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. Just want to spend some time on that. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. You already know this passage. It's popular. It's not the primary text, but it is a segue to where we're going. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah the great prophet. Roughly 200 years before Judah's going to go in to captivity, and he's prophesying over that. Before Israel goes into captivity, he's prophesying over that. I mean, this, one of these greatest prophets, Isaiah is like the, the prophetic book that all good Jews would, would go to. And listen to what he says there. In the, in the year that King Uzziah, I mean, King Uzziah was this guy who kind of reformed and brought Judah back a little bit. He, he made some great military weapons and it, that would hurl stones and all kinds. I mean, this guy was on the cutting edge. And, and all of a sudden, there was this resurgence of old Israel. I mean, they're just coming back. You know, Israel's not being beat down anymore by these outliers. They're coming back. They're making a statement. In the year King Uzziah died, so everybody's down. What did Isaiah say? I saw who, saints? I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. He, all of a sudden, for some reason, in God's wonderful genius capacity, opens up heaven and gets, all of a sudden we get a bird's eye view of what's happening right now around us that we don't even know. There's this worship taking place right now in heaven. And uh, verse 2, above him were seraphs. The Hebrew word Sarah means to burn. Seraph is a, is a, this creature in heaven. Seraph is Hebrew for burning one. So S at the ending of our English word means it's plural, means there are burning ones. So there are these creatures of flames of fire around the throne of God. This fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the earth. Psalm 97. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another. Right? The triune holy call. Right? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is what, saints? Full of his glory. In other words, worship was taking place not because Isaiah showed up, but because God was already doing it. I love what Pastor Son said one time. He said this. He said, worship didn't start when Isaiah showed up. Worship doesn't start when we show up. See, well, you can always have hope even though you don't see it. A vision of God, I love what he said. A vision of God leads to a recognition of God and a recognition of us. Let's keep going there in verse, there's verse 4 and following. At the sound of the voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. He says this, woe to me. 
I cried, I am ruined. The Hebrew word for ruin means to become violently undone. It's the idea of this spontaneous combustion. Boom, this is like he's, he's not just done as in, oh man, I'm going to die. Like it's boom, like, like a bomb goes off. Like that type of explosion of how bad it was going to be. That's what he's saying to be in the very presence of God. He says, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. That's what it is. It leads to a recognition of God, Pastor Son said, and a recognition of us. God is beautiful and big and I am not. It, there's this recognition. So what happens in this, this heavenly scene? We see these creatures go over and get this flaming coal, and they take the coal, because right, they're burning creatures, so fire can grab fire. Are y'all tracking me? And so they grab this coal, and they take it and put it on his lips as if to say, he's now been purified by fire. That's why I try to tell y'all, and I got to finish that book. Kevin's been on me about it. The holiness of God is the fire of hell. I got to finish that. That's why there will always be an eternal lake of fire where people are being punished, because there's always going to be the holiness of God. The holiness of God for us is, is because we are in Jesus, we get to walk through the very fire of God, the punishment fire of God. We walk through, and for us, it's a beautiful bright light. It's the sea uh, beneath our feet in heaven. It's clear, it's crystal, this is purifying. But for those that don't know Jesus, it is very the flames of hell. And so we get to see that. And so in this picture, he sees this. And then he asked the most popular question that you've heard 18 billion sermons on. Okay, that's maybe a gross hyperbole, but nonetheless, it's, it's there. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 and 9, he says this. Verse 8. I mean, I love this. After his sins or your guilt had been taken away, his sin atoned for, after everything had been taken away. <laughs> can, look, can I just be real with y'all this morning? Let me just read, I apologize, Jay, for this in verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. I can't, I can't get around it. With it, th this is this, this coal that the seraph had taken, one of the seraphim, Ema is a plural ending uh, in Hebrew, uh, the one of the seraphim had taken this coal from the altar, and he takes this and he, and he, and he puts this on the lips, uh, uh, and he says, when it touched my mouth, uh, uh, excuse me, with it he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is what, saints? Atoned for. Now, I want you to see something. This is powerful. Once the very thing in the center of the throne had been imparted to the man of God, once his guilt had been washed away, once his sin had been atoned for, atone means paid the price for, right? Atonement. There had to satisfy the wrath of God. That's why God is not angry with us when we sin. No, he does discipline us, but he's not angry with us because the wrath has been satisfied in Jesus. God is not an angry God. So it's atoned for. What happens in verse 8? What happens when your guilt and your sins have been atoned for? What happens? Then I heard the voice. Okay, I'll go over here. When your sins been washed away by the blood of Jesus, then you can hear God speak. Right now, you can hear God speak. In the very spirit that he has awoken inside you, you your sins have been washed away. You are not guilty. But John, I feel guilty. Well, if you quit listening to Satan, you'd be okay. Because you don't have guilt. You don't have guilt in God. 
Guilt is what holds you down, right? You're not condemned. You're not condemned. We have been set free by Jesus. And what the Spirit sets free is free indeed. So we keep in step with the Spirit. John, I continually, I'm in the sin, and I can't break it. Here's what's good. You're exactly right. The answer is in your statement. You can't break it. You're no match for sin, right, Judah Smith would say. But Jesus is. And so we begin to walk in his spirit and in his power. And all of a sudden, what we thought has a stronghold on us does not have as much stronghold because we begin to get freedom in it. Little by little by little by little. And all of a sudden, it becomes very much. And you begin to hear more and more and more the voice of the Lord. God wants to speak, so let's just let him. Let's just let him. He's right now. Your sins are atoned for. You are not guilty. And he wants to speak. Then you can hear the very voice. Then I heard. He didn't hear the voice until the sins were atoned for. He didn't hear the voice until his guilt had been washed away. He didn't hear the voice until he'd been set free. Then he hears the voice. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And what does Isaiah say, saints? Here am I. Did he know everything that he was going to get into? No. But the hope of fulfilling the Father's will caused him to have faith. See, God wants to give us hope. It's a high view. When you see Jesus high and lifted up, in the midst of any circumstance, when you see Jesus high and lifted up, I don't care if you can't afford your school, and I don't care if you think there's no way that my, my father's ever going to be saved. I don't care about those things because only God has the final answer. Only God has the final answer. And as long as he gives me breath, and as long as he's put this drive in my heart, I'm going to continue to do what he has called me to until he redirects me or he takes me home. Because I see Jesus high and lifted up. I see him Lord over all. Because I want to say something to you, that if he's not Lord over all, he's not Lord at all. Even the baby said amen. That's pretty good. You've got to admit that had to been Jesus. All right, so, my, so the popular question was, then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Verse 9, he said, said this in verse 9. He said, and I'm just going to end with this, go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. So the important note, the question was for anyone, I want you to notice this. I, I, lo I love what Pastor Son said. The, the question, this was, and if you go back and you look at the Hebrew if you look at who he's speaking to, he's not speaking specifically to Isaiah. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? We think that that's a question directly to Isaiah. We think it's a directly uh, a question to him. It's actually a, a, a question that's wide. It's a question that's open-ended. It's a question not just for one person. It's a question for all. So he says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? So he's not directing it towards Isaiah, even though Isaiah is part, the, part of it. He's not all of it. And then Isaiah says, I'll do it. So today the Lord is saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And he's, he's just making this open question, and then we have a chance to respond, will it personally be me? So in Hebrew, it was addressed to a bunch of people, but one responded. So then you might say this. This all sounds good, John. This all sounds good. But Isaiah was a great prophet and, spe and specially chosen, right? Uh, maybe, maybe you're thinking that. That's true. But Jesus said these words. He said this, and I'm going to quote it. This is, it's, 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 for many are called, but few are what? 
And God has chosen us. Because the vast majority of you in this room today have surrendered your life to Jesus. Now, he's not Lord of everything in your life, just like he's not Lord of everything in my life. We want that to happen. He's not there uh, in that. But, but we, he knows that we're journeying towards that. We're trusting him more and more and more and more with everything. But we know that we've been called. We have been called, and he is saying to us, whom shall I send? So here it is. Colossae was a group of nobodies. There was not even Jews in the small, nothing town. Colossae was a dying community that received one of the greatest Christological writings in all of Paul's letters. As the Holy Spirit, I was just writing this stuff down. This book has, has transformed many believers and exalted Jesus to the high, highest, highest degree. So see, I want you to know today that Jesus gives hope to anyone. And here's the reason for their hopes. There was a group of people in that community that were undermining the very gospel. There were heresies going out. And so here's the heresy today. The heresy today is this. You're not pretty. You're not good enough. You're not tall enough. You're not um, uh, strong enough. You don't have as much money. Um, you're not smart enough. You're not going to go places. I don't care what people have said in your life or what you've thought in your life or what Satan might have tempted you in your life. Here's what the world says. The world says what you don't have, and Jesus says it's who you have. See, that, that's where the hope is. The hope is, is that when I get on God's agenda, God allows me to do things that I never even saw coming. Did you actually think I thought I was going to be a pastor? No, I'm a great eater, man. I am a good eater. As, as big people would say, you have a healthy appetite. Right? I, I didn't see any of this coming. And you sit there, and I, want, I think about y'all, especially in high school. I think about y'all in college. I think about you when you're fresh out in your 20s and 30s, and you're thinking about, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you think about all this stuff, and, I, and my heart just goes out because I know, and I know that I know. You think because you look at everybody else, you want what they have, and God is saying, stop looking at them to give you validation and look to me for validation. I mean, just let me be me is what he's saying. Just, just let me be me. Uh, you know, the number one rule, okay, I, I'm going to ask for uh, forgiveness. Can I ask for forgiveness? Y'all, I know what y'all are saying. Where's he going? I know, right, some of y'all already squirming in your seats. We'll start squirming. The number one faux pas preaching is you're never supposed to call people out. Well, I already did that with Brittany and Marcus, but I have a relationship. He has to forgive me. He loves Jesus. He has to. Ha, ha. Right? Read just First John. You know, you can't hate me. Ha, ha. And the Father's love be in your heart. Oh, well. Um, so you don't call people out. But I just want to say this. I think about people that are willing to pour their lives. So I want to talk about the hunters. I didn't even know you were coming today. Can y'all just wave your hands? I'm going to embarrass you. I'm sorry. You have to forgive me and love me, Doug Hunter. You have to. See, they are wonderful people. I love them. And by the way, for all the people that have Colorado connections, they lived in Colorado. Hey, they like the Broncos. Only safe people do. All right, so um, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That was for you, Doug. So I, I just want you to know about the Hunters. One, is I, this is what I love about them, is I love that he constantly talks about his bride as the most beautiful, sweet, treasured thing he's ever seen. Isn't that beautiful? Come on, ladies. You want somebody to treasure you all the days of their life just to look at you and say, you know what? It's just Jesus and you, and you're a close second. You know, that's what you want, right? Isn't that it? Isn't it sweet that you see 
like a, a couple that they're just holding hands and they're madly in love. They're not at the mall where the wife is in front of the husband. And she's like, hurry up, keep up. And he's mumbling, why don't I marry you anyway? And you know, all this stuff. And right, right. You know, y'all seen them and uh, you're, y'all seen all that. So, I just, it's, so that draws me to him. But just to see that he believes in the very hope of God. Here's a man who was the president of the third largest elevator company or something like that. Don't shut me down, but something like that in America. Man gives like, they started 30 businesses in, in, in China. I'm going to say this. I know this is recorded. 30 businesses in China. I think one is, what's the, what's the sports uh, channel? Is that the third largest in China? Was it the third or the second at one time? Okay, yes. I don't know what he said. Third, yes, I guess. So third, fourth. So it was one of those. I mean, all these, he speaks to all these European businessmen. They fly him over there. Krug takes him and, and contracts him, flies him over to Europe, and he speaks to all the European business, Christian businessmen and builds these communities. And yet, all they want to do is they want to just give people hope. That's what we want for you. That's what happens when you have a high view of Jesus. When you have a high view of Jesus, you don't look at your sickness. You look at the healer. You don't look at your singleness, you look at your provider. You don't look at your brokenness, you look at your fixer. That's what it is to walk in hope. That's what it is to walk in Jesus. And that is the the higher view you have of Jesus, the higher view you have of Jesus, the more hope you will have. Because you realize that dead ends are not a dead end with God. They're only a redirection. Or as the old preacher was said, a setback is only a setup for a comeback. So I look at this and I say, okay, God, speak. So I have you. So Colossians is wrapped as he starts out, as they quoted in Colossians 1, 3 through 14, they quote this high view of Jesus. Start having a high view of Jesus in high school. Start walking around, start having a high view of Jesus in college. Start having a high view of, uh, for your grandkids. Start raising the bar of Jesus instead of raising the expectation for others. Oh, that was really good. My notes flying everywhere. That was really good. I'm going to tell you why. Because when you raise the expectations of others, you get let down. Huh? Can I get a witness by somebody? Well, I just expect him to wash the dishes. I just expect her. I expect my sweet mate not to use my stuff. Let's talk for a moment. Let's have family time. Let's have a group big hug, right? I'll watch Santa Claus 3. Group hug. Y'all know I'm talking about. My point is this. When people don't follow Jesus, they're not going to follow the love of Jesus. So they're not going to be selfless. They're going to be selfish. So why are we surprised when people do things like that? Why are we surprised when people talk about our back, behind our backs when we're trying to do something right for the Lord? When you don't have a high view of Jesus, there's only room to have, uh, there's only room for one person to have a high view of, and usually it's themselves. But the higher view I have of Jesus, the less view I have of me, right? What did John the Baptist say? He must increase and I must... Now you're getting it. So, what are the reasons? I got a book. Here we go. First reason for hope of a high view of Jesus means we will always experience the fullness of Christ. 
The reason why, listen, let me give you a reason why for hope is a high view of Jesus. When you have a high view of Jesus, it means you're always going to experience the fullness. You're never going to be cheated, Eve. You're never going to be cheated, Adam. You're never going to be cheated. You're not going to listen to the voice of Satan that says, oh man, you know, if you, if you really eat this, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. You know, sometimes it's not being like God. Sometimes it's just trusting God. Come on, that was good. Sometimes it's just that, look, listen, Colossians, let's go there. Colossians, we're just going to just look at this because the most holy moment in this church family and has always been is our time of faith, Colossians 1.15. And so I'm going to ask Robbie if you'll come over here and play over me, man. Just, ah, oh, this is good. Some of you are going, yes, it's 11.55, and John's already got Robbie up there, so it means we're about to land this plane. I know what you're thinking. Colossians 1.15. Listen to the very word of God. A high view means we get this fullness. Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. I want us to spend time. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. This series is based on Colossians 1.27. It's based on a phrase of Colossians 1.27, and it's this. For those people who were not here last week, let me just tell you what it means. This whole sermon is based on this. It's based on these words. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ in your parents, not Christ in your spouse, not Christ in your children, not Christ in your preacher, not Christ in Robbie, not Christ in Brittany, not Christ in Cameron's, not Christ in the worship team, not Christ in Jay, not Christ in your professor, but Christ in you. See, when Christ comes in you, then you have hope. But if he's not in you, you don't have hope. You just have hope in the people that have hope in him. So Christ is becoming very personal. You know, just when I'm with her, I just feel so close to the Lord. I just, when I'm with her, I just feel like I'm on angels' wings. Rise up on wings like eagles. I'll run and not grow weary. I'll walk and not grow faint. Might I suggest that your intimacy with God not be in your boyfriend or girlfriend? May your intimacy with God be through Jesus. Because what happens when that person leaves? God hates me. No, God doesn't hate you. When somebody dies for you, they don't hate you. So he's the image. Go with me to verse 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him. And this next week, I don't know what Brandon and Deb and and Robert are going to do, but next week when they begin to quote 15 all the way through towards the end of the chapter, and they get to these verses, I want you to wrap your mind around, spend time with it this week. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Saints, can I just say something for a moment? Look back at verse 19. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him. 
all of God's fullness is dwelt in Jesus. And when Jesus dwells in me, the very fullness of God, the very fullness of God, the very Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, then all of a sudden God puts hope in my heart of reconciliation. Come on now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. You can, just, you can just parallel this passage with that, with Paul, as you can hear that screaming in the background in verse 20. He says, and through him in verse 20, to reconcile to himself all things. You see, when God is so full, what happens is he doesn't need anything to make him full. It's other things that need him to make them full. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are on this side. We need to be full. We need Jesus in our relationships. We need Jesus in our career decisions. We need Jesus in our finance. We need Jesus in our home. We need Jesus at our school. We need Jesus where we live, work, play, whatever we do. We need Jesus to get full. He doesn't need us. So when fullness happens, when fullness happens in Jesus, then the fullness says, now go and reconcile because this needs me. That's what God is saying. So I want to end with this. Man, I'm not, I'm not even done the sermon. I have to go Rocky three on y'all. As Clubber Lang says, I got a lot of mo. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Show <laughs> you like that. She's like, woo. Adrian. <laughs> I do. I have a lot more as you see in the notes online. But I want to end with this. If you want to experience the fullness of your marriage, the fullness of your singleness, the fullness of your career at CSU, the fullness of your job, the fullness in your family, if you want to experience the fullness in your life, come to Jesus. He is the one who is full of the image of God and now he wants to fill us where we are lacking. We're the ones with the void, not Jesus. We're the ones that have the image of God in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. But sin taints that very image and creates a void and an emptiness. And Jesus wants to fill it. So I want to ask you today, where do you see to say, God, I'm coming to you today and I'm praying that you would make my joy complete because of the hope of Jesus, that you would make fullness in this relationship, that you would make fullness in my dorm room, that you would make fullness at my job, that you would make fullness in all the businessmen in this area, that you make fullness in my grandchildren, you make fullness in this church. God, help us. That you would complete us. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Greek word for perfect is complete. Because we have what's lacking. And he has what completes us. Now, I'm going to ask you to get real. Get ready to go back to Peru. Things are changing with all the stuff we're happening in our lives. Life's speeding back up fast. We had that little break and now everything's getting real fast. When things get real fast, you get drained. Right? Life kind of speeds up. Where do you need fullness? He is the image of the invisible God. 17, he holds all things together. It is Jesus. Saints, do you want to pray today? Listen, the highest moment of our worship is not our songs to him, and it sure ain't the preaching, I promise you that. 
It is when we come together as a body and pray and saints begin to pray over others and begin to pray and create this fullness of prayer to the Lord. It is altar where the creatures are flying around committing the praise to the Lord of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the ages. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will bow and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Read that in Revelation. Where do you need fullness? Is it for somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Where do you need fullness? Why don't you just come and call out to him? Fill us. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be what, saints? the Holy Spirit. We're the ones who need filling. Would you be filled today? Father, that is my prayer. Fill us today. Who wants to come and just pray for fullness? Fullness in their work or their calling that you've called them to. Work over people in their dorms that don't know you. Fullness at this wonderful school that has your name on it. Fullness in a marriage Fullness at a job and career. Fullness with extended family. Fullness, Lord, we come to you today as believers. I pray you'd move people out of their seats and into prayer as we begin to pray. Fullness over the schools. Fullness over our lives. Fullness over the missionaries. Fullness of God that Jesus can be where we cannot. And he can be what we cannot be to people. Fullness is what we need, Lord. Fill us today with your Holy Spirit. I know some have said, I've already been sealed with the Holy Spirit. I know, Lord, but we are believers, and in that passage you say it's a continual filling. It's a present participle, continual filling. So we want to continually be filled so our cup runneth over and we serve out of our saucer and not our cup. Fill us, Lord. Help us not to grow weary. Help us not to grow tired. Help us to have a high view of you so that our hope will be centered on Jesus. Let us look unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. We lift up the name of Jesus, Lord. We lift up him to you. We look to you today, the author and finisher of our faith. We fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the fullness, so pain does not take anything away. Uh, the hurt does not take anything away. Distractions do not take anything away because we are satisfied in Jesus. Satisfy us today, Lord. We are living in a place of unsatisfaction. Satisfy us so that we don't look to anything else but Jesus. Who in here needs to pray that today, Lord? Let us come and just flood this place with your presence. That is our cry. Lord, I pray that you would give people freedom in this room, even though they might say, well, I'm not a member here. I'm not the, the come and pray over people. Lord, give them freedom. We don't, we flow with Jesus. We don't flow with rules. Lord, I pray that there's someone in this room that doesn't know you. I pray today they've seen Jesus lifted up. Lord, they can't lift themselves up to save themselves. Lord, I pray that they will see themselves today, that they cannot be their Savior. They can't be good enough and do good things enough to outweigh the bad things in their life. 
that they're not the ones that can be lifted up. It's only Jesus that can be lifted up. And today they'll realize that they stand on the other side of this big chasm and the only way to experience the fullness of the Father is to experience the fullness of the Son and to say today that Jesus is Lord. Confess that they're in sin, confess that they need a Savior and that Jesus is the one and that He died on the cross and on the third day you rose Him again and they surrender their lives to you not knowing what it looks like, not knowing what all encompasses, but the hope of Jesus is so beautiful that they will step out in faith and do it. That is my prayer. And for all these believers that are right down on the front here and they're kneeling, they're wanting to start their semester right, they want to say, I want fullness of semester. It's not fullness of a degree. It's not a fullness of an A. If it's going to give me joy, it's not going to be the fullness of a relationship or the fullness of having a fun time. It's going to be the fullness of Jesus. Let Jesus be so full in me that he spills over to everyone I encounter. God, may that be the prayer of everyone in this place today that we would go and release the presence of Jesus because we are so full. God, may that be our prayer. We worship you in this holy, holy moment. Jesus.